0: I'm so It's the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 975, 1280 the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
1: It is the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975, and 1280 the Zone. Jazz Blazers tonight. Don't forget, tip-off coming your way at eight o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at seven, and of course, you can hear it all here on the Zone Sports Network and watch it on AT&T Sports Net. Joining us now, the color analyst for the television broadcast. You see him alongside our guy Bowler. He is Matt Harpering with us here on the Big Show. What's up, Matt?
2: What's going on, guys? How are you doing today?
1: We're great. Uh, let's talk about how this Good. how this jazz team uh, is doing physically, Matt. Coming off a game like last night where they really poured all the effort out there, and we can get into the details of last night's game, but how hard is it to turn it around and play the next night after an effort like that?
2: I, I think it will be hard because a lot of guys played a lot of minutes. Uh, you look at Donovan, played 41 minutes, Gobert 37, so bogey 40, and then you put in a late game at that and travel. Uh, So it's going to be a little bit more difficult than a regular game for sure. Um, However, you know, when you lose as a player, the first thing you want to do is get back on the court. And, you know, they're competitive players, and I'm sure they're looking forward to tonight's game to getting back in the win column.
3: So, Matt, the first thing that hits you over the head as you're watching that game last night is the Jazz's difficulty in hitting their, their shots from beyond the arc, 11 for 44, um, I thought that was interesting what Quinn Snyder said afterward that it wasn't just the misses, it was the stuff that was happening leading up to the misses uh, a lack of spacing, et cetera. Could you explain that a little bit uh with your expertise? Yeah, so uh, you know i I saw a little bit different of the game when i when I
2: was calling the game last night. You know, there was times when certainly Phoenix's defense dictated the shot for the offense for the jazz that that certainly happened. Uh, they took away the first offensive uh, set, and then the, you had to go to your second and third options. Um, with that, I mean, they were top blocking the wings and then forcing them to the baseline, so they took away the dribble handoffs. Uh, they were doing a few things to disrupt the Jazz. They were putting length on Donovan and Conley uh, when they could. Um, there was times when they switched when they could. However, if you look at the shots, and this is where, you know, I give, I give Phoenix a lot of credit for their defense, but a lot of the Jazz shots were open. I, they just missed shots. And, you know, whether it was the initial, you know, first shot that was guarded, the Jazz found a way to get the ball rotated to an open shot, whether it was a corner three or was an open three, and they just weren't hitting them. And, you know, that that happens. It's happened now two games in a row. But you got to look at the overall stats and say, okay, the Jazz shot 25% last night. They made 11 uh, threes out of 44. A couple nights ago they made 12 in Dallas. You know, they are the number one, you know, shooting team in the NBA. They make the most, and we have a good sample size here, too. So it's not like, you know, you don't have a lot of games. I mean, you have a good sample size to say this team's a good shooting team. So there's two games now where they haven't shot the ball really well. But you've got to go back to the law of averages. And, you know, when you see a team that shoots, you know, fourth best in the league at 39%, then they also take the most and they attempt the most and make the most. You know, I don't know how much of a big deal we want to make it and overreact right
1: now about it. So, Matt, I won't bore you with it, but uh, Gordon and I went down a, a weird rabbit not weird necessarily, but a rabbit hole having to do with confidence and being willing to take the shot. It's not just about making it, but being willing to take it in the big moment when your team needs it the most. I, I'm curious, how many players in the NBA do you think really want that moment where the game's on the line, they get the ball, they're open, and they want to shoot it as opposed to maybe would yeah. be more likely to defer.
2: Yeah, that's a very true statement you guys are, are talking or if you have been discussing because, you know, a three-point shot when you're up 10 is a lot different than a three-point shot, you know, when you're tied in the last two minutes of a game or you're behind. Uh, that's for sure. And then if you miss a couple shots during a game, the the mental side is hard. And that's why pro sports is it's just not the athletic side. And what you can do physically, there's a lot of mental side of this and um, you know that's something that the Jazz are going to have to figure out because yes there's going to be shots there's going to be game this year for sure where they're going to have to win it by making a big shot or, or there's big possessions. I think this game helps I think having games like this and not blowing out everyone is then will end up helping the Jazz get more comfortable in situations like, like this. Um, I think the Jazz are one of the fewest uh, They have one of the teams that has the most, the fewest amount of clutch minutes uh, in the NBA this year just because they've been beating so, everyone so bad. And that's great and all. But I think the other side of that is kind of what you mentioned is you've got to get used to having these big moments. Uh, Donovan comes up really big in big moments, and, and he's proven. Um, it'll be nice to see everyone else come through. And, you know, there's big discussions today on passing up shots and maybe hesitating at, at times. and You know, those are just – that's why you play the regular season. That's why you play these games. and You have overtime
3: games. So when the playoffs hit, you're ready to roll. So Matt, another area where the Jazz uh, were outperformed last night was uh, on the boards, out rebounded yeah. by 16 overall and nine on the offensive glass. So here, here's the dilemma for the Jazz, and what would you do? They, they, they you know, they want to get offensive boards if they can, but yeah. they also want to protect against uh, early offense the other way. So how do you make that decision? What would you do?
2: Well, see, this is another tough one because if you just go league-wide stats, the Jazz have been number one rebounding team in the league, right? So they do rebound the ball, and that's the fact. Uh, if you look at offense rebounds, they're number five. If you look at defense rebounds, they're number two. I mean, this is not something that happens every night to them. So they have one night that they got out-rebounded in a bad way. Um, do you overreact? I, I don't think so. I think the Phoenix Suns did a good job of getting Gobert late in the switch and then bringing him out. And then when he's out, um, you know, obviously the guards have got a rebound. And what we all know is the Jazz are small and in a lot of positions. So if you bring Gobert away from the rim or Favors away from the rim, you know, Conley's got a rebound. Bogdanovich has got a rebound. You know, Mitchell, O'Neal. And if you look back at last night's game, you know, some of these guys didn't rebound. Bogdanovich playing 40 minutes to get one rebound, that is not acceptable. Uh, You can't play the four spot and get one rebound. He's got to be better. O'Neal, he's usually a pretty good rebounder. He had four rebounds in his 32 minutes. You know, Gobert was a monster. He had the 18 boards. Uh, But Conley, you know, one rebound in in his minutes. Ingles, one rebound in his minutes. That can't happen. So there's got to be more of an emphasis when you play teams like that to say, hey, Gobert might have to go out and guard Chris Ball or some of these guards and take him away. When that happens, we got to get our butts down low and start boxing out.
1: Matt, this is a question probably with an impossible answer, but how do you game plan for a player like Damian Lillard who can pull up and shoot it from anywhere on the floor?
2: Yeah, so pickup points will be important. So when he crosses half court, you got to be up engaged so he just doesn't get a full look over the defense. And as he's coming off the pick and roll, I mean, he's got to see bodies. And you can't be way off. And this is going to be tough for Gobert tonight because they're going to put Gobert in the pick and roll. You know he will, and, and if Gobert's back in the paint – Damian Lillard is going to come off and he's going to shoot that thing. There's not a doubt about it, and that's what he's been doing all year long. And if you let Dame get off, I mean, he shoots shoots about 11 threes a game already with a high percentage. And so, you know, whether they come out and they go over under or how they're going to guard, they push the pick and roll to the side. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can throw at Damian. But, you know, ultimately um, you're going to get him in the pick and roll and see how the Jazz are going to to defend. But I do think that Gobert is going to have to be up at the line of the screen tonight. Um, but it's just not Lillard. I mean, there's McCollum that shoots great from three, and now Norman Powell. Uh, they got some weapons too. So to me, the defense was not the problem last night. I, I thought the defense was great in the half court. Um, there was a few too many transitions, but once it was in the half court, the defense was good. If the Jazz can have that same effort defensively tonight, they're going to be fine.
3: Well, I remember having conversations with you when you were a player and you were kind of a no BS guy as far as rah-rah stuff and all that. You just wanted the truth and you played it that way. But from a leadership standpoint, Donovan Mitchell seems to be emerging in that role. And I know everyone's doing everything from long distance this year, so I don't know whether you have private conversations with any of the players in any way, shape, or form. But what do you make of his leadership?
2: I think – He's 24 years old. He's only in his fourth year. And I think it's unfair to put too much on him right now. I think of what he's doing right now is far beyond his years. You know, I I think what he's doing is is past a four-year player. Uh, His leadership is good. His maturity is unbelievable. The things that I read about him, the things that I see him doing, both on and off the court, are things that players play 12 years and they never get to. Uh, He's already accomplishing things that, um, you know, guys that are in the top 20 would say, wow, I mean, this is hard to do. Uh, so there's a base there that there's a foundation that he's got. I think he can still get better at it. I think, you know, the leadership just doesn't end. There's no ceiling to it. Uh, you get better at it. I think we saw one last night in Chris Paul, how he's unbelievable. I mean, he really makes everyone else on the court better, right? I mean, every team that he goes to, you can take it or leave it, but when he leaves that team, they get worse and he's making a lot of players on Phoenix better. I think Donovan, that's his next goal. I mean, I, he definitely does that at times, um, but if he can make everyone else better, uh, that that's his next level. And that's hard to do because right now, if you just look at last night, I, there wasn't a lot of assists last night. And it just shows that when Donovan needs to go one-on-one and he can create, there's not a lot of players that can stay in front of him, but there's also something to get your guys going. And, you know, I had the privilege of playing with a guy named John Stockton, and he was he was the best I've ever seen at that. Uh, he would say, hey, you haven't had a bucket in a while. I need to get you going because in the fourth quarter we need you. So he will he will go and do something to get a guy a bucket. Carl um, Malone, same type of thing. But but those guys were in it for 15, 20 years in the NBA uh, for a long time. And we're expecting Donovan to be that way in year four. I don't think that's fair.
1: Matt, back to the Blazers for a second. How much better does Norman Powell make them? They acquired him at the trade deadline.
2: Yeah, put them back. Uh, to me, it, it certainly puts them in the middle of the West. Um, you know, he's a, he's a player, and he fits perfectly with this team. They kind of have a, a three-headed uh, monster now. It's not just two, um, depending on whether Nurkic plays tonight. But um, it, it's he's a scorer, and so you can't heavily just load up on on Dame. Because uh, you can't forget about Powell, who shoots it all really well, um, and he also is good in isolation. So they have legit three players. that can get you twenty on every given night. So it's they're loaded, and so you know the Jazz got to be ready. And, and you know it's the again it's, it's the second, third options that that happen at times that uh, you gotta you gotta finish possessions, and a lot of that time is you know rebounding the basketball, and then the rebounding is gonna be big tonight.
3: I want to circle back around to what you said earlier, Matt, when Jake asked you about the whole confidence thing. If you were going to have a talk with some of the players on the Jazz who are struggling a little bit right now with their shot, what what would you tell them? What would be your advice? You know, it's, it's so
2: hard. You know, I remember having to deal with this as a player because it, it, it confidence is so fragile. And you think of these guys as like, oh, they're macho, they're in the NBA, they're pro athletes, and it's – it is a fragile thing, and so it's delicate in how you how you got to bring it up. Sometimes, you know, when people are – you've heard this for a while and people are struggling at the free throw line. You just oh, don't talk about it, you know. Um, and it, I think everyone is different. There's not one answer when it comes. Some people need just more reps. They need to get in the gym and they just need to shoot it out at midnight for two hours and then get their get their feel back. Uh, some people need, uh, you know, a coach to talk to them and say, hey, you know, you're great and, and, and kind of lift them up that way. Um, I was kind of a guy that you know when I came out and missed the first couple shots, I was like, you know what, I need to get something easy. I'm going to go harder for an offensive board here. I need to see it go in, and I'm going to go attack. Like I, you know, my head's on fire, and I'm going to try to get something, you know, whether a tip out, a steal, some deflection to get me in transition, get me in a rhythm, um, in a rhythm shot. And so you know, it's tough when if your first three shots are going to be you know the three point shots, and if you're struggling. You know, like I'm just going to throw out Royce O'Neill right now. It, it's tough because I think he's won for his last uh, 19, maybe. Um, so obviously, he wants to see the ball go in. And I, I'm sure that he's beaten himself up a little mentally. But it also goes the other way. Once that first one goes in again, that confidence goes sky high again. You're like, all right, I'm back. I'm hot.
1: Is there a player, uh, Matt, that you played with her against that had unshakable confidence? Like, he could miss 10 in a row, but number 11 was going up? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I play with a lot actually, Um, (laughs) but Allen Iverson uh, was, you know, the guy, it didn't matter if he was three of 20. I mean, the next one's going in, Um, you know, it's, that's a hard mentality to get Kobe Bryant had that mentality. You know, when you guarded him, it didn't matter if he missed the shot. I mean, and that's, that's the greatness on a level that not a a lot of players can get to. Um, And that's something you can't practice and you can't teach. I think it's, kind of you're born with of a, of a, of a mentality that, you know, I think Jordan Clarkson has a little bit of that, like, right. I mean, he goes and he shoots and whether it's um, missing shots or not. I mean, he he certainly thinks that next one's going in I, and to have a long career, you, you, you gotta have a little bit of that in you. Uh, Bogdanovich, same thing. He's got to have that where the next one's going in. Cause he's a great shooter. There's not a doubt in my mind. When I watch him shoot the forms there, it's pure. There's nothing mechanically wrong with it. Um, he just got to have confidence in himself. And he's shooting the ball well. last five games, he's shooting the ball much better.
3: It helps when you have teammates and coaches around you, right, Matt, who encourage you to keep at it. Because let me see if I remember this correctly. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I'm recalling these things you told me when you were a player. And, what <laughs> if I, and tell me if I'm misremembering this, but I think you might have been in Philly. I'm not sure where you were, but you took a shot from a, and the coach was yelling for you not to take the shot. Yes. And yes, and, how, Larry and how Brown. much Yeah, Larry Brown and how much that bothered you and I thought yes. I think to myself you've got to have encouragement because even though yes. you're a confident person yourself you need that from the guys around you.
2: Yeah, you know this is it's tough because different coaches are a different way. And I played for a lot of great coaches I and I, I played for some that were great and that you know, I didn't care for at times. Um, And you just got to deal with personalities. And you're right. That story goes, we actually was in the playoffs against Boston Celtics at, at the Celtics. And, you know, I've been a starter all year and I'm playing a lot of minutes and playing well when we're in game one or game two of the first round of the playoffs. And I go down and I'm about to shoot a three from the corner and Larry Brown comes running down and says, "Oh, don't shoot that! Oh, that is the turnover. I mean, I haven't even released it yet." And he's saying and so, as a player, you're like, "Oh my gosh! I mean, how am I going to make this?" Um, and he just had a set ways. I mean, there was there were systems, and especially back then, I mean, there, there were systems on who was supposed to get the ball and get the play, and you were, you know, what option you were on that play. And so, um, you know, we were very aware of who the number one option is and who. You know, at, at that team for certainly let play a certain way, and the other guys weren't allowed to play that way. So the game's different now. Uh, coaches are different. Quinn Snyder doesn't coach that way. I, I've seen that in him. He gives confidence to all, all of his players, and that's something that uh, I think you're seeing this year because, you know, the team does shoot really well.
1: This is uh, probably a, a question you get a lot, but what was Allen Iverson like? What's he like as a guy?
2: Uh, he's real. He's as real as it comes, and he, there's not a fake part of, about him. Um, whether it's political, whether it's in front of cameras, or whether it's you know in the locker room, um, he's a guy that when I played, I really enjoyed as a teammate. He fought, and he got to the ground. I mean, hits the ground every single night. He bounced back up, and he played through pain. Um, there was just nothing that would stop his drive. And I loved how competitive that guy was. And when we went to war and that's the way he faced it. And when we went together as a team before a game, I mean, he, he would be our leader and he'd be the guy talking in the huddle. And it would, it would be like, Hey, we're about to go in war. I love you guys. Let's, let's get this done. And, and he would, I mean, he'd, he'd have your back uh, without a doubt uh, as a player. Is it frustrating to play with a guy like that sometimes for me? Yeah. A ton of times. Cause you only get at certain games, you might get six shots. Um, that's just, how you got to deal. And so you got to find a way to, to help the team win. Um, But I I, I love the guy. I mean, he was tremendous.
3: That's one of the reasons when people make fun of him for that practice thing. That was so ironic about that is that he gave, I remember talking to people in Philadelphia about the effort he gave night after night after night. And he gave that small frame. He gave everything he had. So for him to be tagged with that whole thing, he didn't want to practice kind of unfair very
2: unfair uh got taken out of context um and you know he has the biggest heart that you would want in an athlete is is that guy you mentioned he's six feet tall you know buck what 50 buck 55 whatever he was and you know that's back in the nba when they were hammering people and and putting their hands on him um but he was just tough man he was tough as nails
1: I read a thing about him that he didn't like to travel with luggage, so he just bought new clothes wherever he went.
2: <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of that. I mean, there's a lot of rumors with him that are true and false. Um,
3: but overall, I mean, he, he's going to go
2: down and is going down as one of the greats of all time.
3: Yep. One last question I wanted to run by, Matt, yep. is you said how much you liked Alan Iverson. What did you do in the cases when you didn't like a teammate or a group of teammates? What, how I know you're professional and you go about your business, but is that hard to handle?
2: You know, there, there's there's only a few. Um, and and you, I guess as a player, when you grow up in sports, and I grew up in different sports, you know, playing three different sports in high school and then through college, it, you kind of get used to just being on a team. And no team is perfect. And so you kind of just learn to deal a little bit with maybe there's a guy over here that your personality doesn't mesh as well with this personality, but it's rare that once you get on the court, you don't have the common goal Um, because coaches can see that too. And so they need a chemistry where everyone's fighting for the same goal. You're everyone's on the same game plan. You're running the coaches, you know, scouting report. And so, um, you know, maybe off the court, maybe you don't hang out. Maybe that's the case. But once you get on the court, I mean, it's very rare to where a, a teammate like won't pass a ball, or you're so disgusted, and the other teammate like you just won't get the ball. Like, I don't know if that happens as much. Um, so, you know, you learn a deal. You learn that every situation is not great, um, and the grass isn't greener on the other side. So, you know, a lot of times I think there's players that say, "Oh, if I just traded to this team, it, it would be better." It might, but in my experience, a lot of times it's not. Um, so you work. You work to make the situation good.
1: Matt, thank you very much for jumping on with us today. We appreciate it, and let's hope for a good one tonight.
2: All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you, Matt. Matt Harpering, of course, a longtime jazz man and current color analyst on uh, AT&T Sportsnet alongside our, our guy Bowler. So thanks to Matt Uh, for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Of course, your Jazz Insider Report brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. Two guys. Two topics. Two opinions. Two. talk. give me two. This is the split story of the day. On 97 5, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: 80-43 sons. Donovan, hard right hand drive, pulls back on Tory Craig and hits. Can you say you're back in the bubble, Tory Craig, and I'm torching you again! Donovan drive into eight double team. Curls back out with the left hand. He's free throw line extended. He swings back to the baseline. Spida spins in the lane, puts it off the window and scores it. That's remarkable. 38 for Donovan Hooker in the right elbow. Guarded by Don, holding the right pivot foot again. He puts his shoulder into him, bumps into him twice. Ball fakes, throws it back out up top to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's left for three. Hit it. Jazz got confused. Who's guarding
3: it? You know what we can be. You know, we know we we have work to do as well. But, you know, there's definitely instances where it's like we look at it, we didn't really shoot the three ball all that well.
0: You know, and I think for us, just finding ways to continue to improve. Play through physicality
3: find ways to continue to to play when we kind of woke up and shots like the fall, if we can continue that same energy in the first quarter, uh, first half, um, just being able to play, play through that. And I'm that you that know, they're going to be nights like this. We haven't shot the ball well the past two nights, you know, and, you know, two totally different games, in my opinion. You look at tonight with you we right there, you know, um, a few rebounds away. Um, and then last game, you know, we were down by 20 at one point, you know, that we responded the right way, but we had to do it throughout the, the course of the game, in my opinion.
1: Gordon, the Jazz lose in Phoenix, 117-113, to in overtime. And the good news is they're back at it tonight against a very tough Portland team here at this building at 8 o'clock. But let's talk about last night's game. Um, You uh, lead us off, Gordon. Where do you want to begin?
3: Well, you heard uh, there uh, the three-point shooting was a real sore spot for the Jazz. They just could not get uh, much touch from that distance. And that really hurts the Jazz when that happens. I wrote a column about it. It's at sltrib.com if you want to check it out and either agree with me or disagree with me on it. But when the Jazz shoot 11 of 44, they're not going to win. They're just not going to win. It's too important to them to be efficient from uh, beyond the arc, and they weren't able to be consistent there, and it really cost them. And when you heard Quint Snyder after the game, he talked not only about that, but he talked about whatever, all the things that lead up to the correct spacing to get those, those good shots that they're hoping for. And uh, he was, he was uh, kind of disappointed with the Jazz's level of aggression coming out of the gate. And, Jake, you and I talked about that yesterday during the show. We thought that they'd be fired up enough to really be aggressive right from, right from the opening tip. And it didn't work out that way. And that was really, really kind of strange to me that that's, that was a the reality. The, old, the other thing, and then then you have at it, Jake, the other thing that really struck me was the disparity in the rebounding, 61 to 45. And those offensive boards that the Suns were getting, I think they had, what, did they had like 17, 16 or something, 16 offensive boards to the Jazz's seven. That really hurt them. That hurt the Jazz in a big way. So those are the areas that I circled as being most uh, contributing to uh, the Jazz's defeat. What do you think?
1: I think you've diagnosed it pretty well. I mean, even if they have an average ninth shooting from the three, they win that game. Um, The the, the rebounding, I I think, is certainly a concern because they looked small for one of the, the few times this year where they've kind of looked their size. If does yeah. that make sense, Gordon? Uh, what uh-huh. I'm what I'm getting out there that they're outside of Rudy and favors, they're really a small team, and they look small because because Rudy would help on defense, cause a missed shot, and then there was just nothing there to contest those rebounds, and that was a that was a big problem. They've got to get that back dialed in, and I don't know if it's crashed the boards with more bodies or what the solution is, but uh, but that certainly was an issue. Um, Last night, I I totally uh, agree with you. I thought Donovan uh, played just a gutsy gutsy game, and when he saw that uh, the others kind of didn't have it, um, he uh, he kind of took over. Except for here, here's the part that concerned me, Gordon, is I think a few players on this team are are having a crisis of confidence. And not, not a cold streak because I I honestly, and we've talked about this enough to know that cold, hot, it fluctuates. Most of the time you you return to your average, right? A crisis of confidence is something different. And uh, I'm a little worried about Royce O'Neal in particular, uh, but Bogdanovich a little bit too. Although I thought Bogdanovich found a way to play through it by going to the hoop yeah. and making his layups and, and absolutely contributed to that game. But there was one possession – in the in the last two minutes of the game, Gordon, where Royce O'Neal had a wide open corner three. I mean, the the offense worked uh, exactly how the offense should work. It ended up with Royce O'Neal in a in the corner, which is his spot. You know, we talk all the time about getting spots, getting to his spots. The corner is Royce O'Neal's spot, and I know he's been cold. I know he's missed a bunch of shots, but he passed it up, Gordon. And he passed it to Bogdanovich, who ended up taking a dribble and taking the shot and missing it. And I know Bogdanovich caught a lot of the heat. But honestly, and Locke mentioned this on the broadcast, that I don't know if Bogdanovich was ready for it. Like, Royce was so open, the fact that Royce passed on that three I think startled Bogdanovich a little bit. And then he hesitated, which everybody saw, and, and took and missed the shot. And maybe Bogdanovich is having that crisis of confidence too. But Royce earlier in the year won a game for him by taking that corner 3 and had yeah. the confidence to go ahead and do it and they they need players out there who are willing to take and make or miss those shots i want to concentrate because- more on the taking than the making because donovan can't beat good teams all by himself and there was an opportunity for somebody else to contribute and not they didn't royce didn't try and fail which is something that happens in sports and that we see every single night in the nba but passed it up, and that was that was a real critical point in the game, and they needed that, and he didn't have the confidence to take it. That yeah. that is, that concerns me.
3: Couldn't agree with you more uh, in that regard. Sometimes, in, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, it's better to take the shot and miss it than it is to pass it up. You know, I mean, you just can't do that, especially with an offense like the Jazz's that's built to create those kinds of shots. Yeah. And something tells me Royce O'Neill's is going to be seeing all kinds of openings to shoot from because teams are questioning whether, uh, whether he can do that. And he's questioning himself. Let me give you some stats on, on the importance of the jazz uh, making those three point, or at least living up to the standard they've set for themselves on those three point percentages in the 13 losses the jazz have had let me read off the per- first of all before I do that the jazz before these last two games they were shooting nine to 40 percent from three okay so that's what they had set for themselves so so far this season in their 13 losses they've shot from three 29.4 percent 35.3 32.4 31.8, This is an anomaly here, 42.6, 35.3, 32.6, 39.5, 47.7, 34.1, 37.5, 27.3, and 25.0. So in only three of those games did they shoot up to their average. All the others, they shot mostly well beneath it. And that kills them. They, we talked about it earlier in the year. Remember, Jake, when, when we were waiting for the Jazz's defense to come around so it could save them on the nights when they weren't shooting the ball well? Well, I, I'm just not sure that the, as good as the defense has been, it's not dominant enough to, uh, depend, to dependably overcome uh, this kind of diminished accuracy. From three, it's too important for the Jazz. It's absolutely incorporated in what they do, and when they don't shoot it well, or as Quinn said last night, if they don't do the things necessary to create the correct spacing so that they get comfortable looks from three-point range, they're likely to lose. That's just the way it is.
1: I, I'm not disagreeing here, but I'm adding to you know that's true, and they, the defense near won them the game against the second best team in the league.
3: Right, but I didn't.
1: Okay, but it, it, it darn near did, and Phoenix gave all it had. Oh, I, mean, I don't
3: know. Phoenix didn't shoot the ball all that great from three either.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Booker had 35 points, and everybody goes, whoa, 35 for Booker. It took him 31 shots to get there. <laughs> he went 13 yeah. of 31. It took him 31 shots, and Chris Paul tore them up. Apart, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if Chris Paul can have very many better games than that. He certainly can't have many more games where he, he uh, plays 43 minutes, which was just amazing. And that tells you what Phoenix thought about this game, because they, they played their dudes. Chris Paul is averaging about, oh, I have to go back and look, but it's like 31 and change minutes a game, and he, d- he did not do his rotation in the fourth quarter. So Phoenix was giving it everything that they had, and Chris Paul was really, really good and the Jazz defense still nearly won it. So I'm not disagreeing with you on the threes. Don't get me wrong. But the defense matters, and it makes a big difference. And they nearly beat Phoenix in Phoenix with that that defensive edge against a team, by the way, that doesn't play into their defensive strengths because they don't go to the basket at all. And so it it limits Rudy's in back, too.
3: Aiton had a pretty nice game.
1: Yeah, all on like offensive rebounds, though, when Rudy was out of the picture. That was, that was the hard part about uh, all those offensive rebounds is it was because Rudy was off doing Rudy things and they couldn't help him out.
3: Well, if the Jazz can shoot the ball the way they did against the Magic, 26 of 55, they're going to be very successful. If they shoot it the way they have in their last two games, let's see, a combined what was it, uh, 23 of 88, they're not going to win games, Jake. They're not going to win games.
1: Well, nobody and shoots that, it that, as that, well that, as they that, did in the Magic game, Gordon. That, I mean, uh, okay.
3: So my, my point is that it's so important for them to do it in a playoff setting when you know clever coaches are going to be able to dial in and, and, and I think uh, sort of disrupt Jazz shooting. From the perimeter. And as you pointed out yesterday, okay, well that might give Rudy some opportunities down low, but that's not enough I, I think for for the Jazz to win. Uh so they're gonna have to figure this out so that they can get the spacing that Quinn wants, so that they can get the comfortable shots he wants, and they can gain that confidence that you were saying is sort of eroded away a little bit.
1: Yeah. I just think it's so much more nuanced than they make their threes or don't make their threes.
3: Well, I mean, every nothing is absolute, but certainly the statistics I just gave you are fairly convincing. You know, if they if they shoot their normal percentage from three, they win. And if they don't, they lose.
1: How many teams in the NBA is that not true for?
3: Well, it's especially true for the Jazz because they put up more attempts than any other team.
1: Yeah, they've, they've built around the percentages of making their threes. It's, yeah, it's I, more I important hear to the
3: Jazz than it is for most teams.
1: It, maybe, I mean, <laughs> if you make your shots, that's, that's what I hate about the make or, that's or miss not league it. argument. that's not That's not I'm if saying. If you make your shots, you, you, you win know what I'm saying. The lose. Jazz
3: stress creating three-point shots for mm-hmm. their team. and so they, so they lead their number one in the league in, in attempts from three. 43 a game. More than anybody else. They, were, they did have the leading percentage of hitting threes, but lately they've dropped down to fourth now. So, and,
1: Well, how about why? Is there some common thread between those games that they're missing the threes, or did they just leave it in the locker room?
3: Well, according to Quinn, they weren't spacing the floor properly. That's what he said after the game last night
1: you think that's been the same in all these games that they're... I I don't know. I'm asking. Do you think it's the same in these games where they're shooting in the 30s? I mean, listen, any team that shoots in the 20s from three is going to have a tough time winning games, unless they're completely built around an inside-out philosophy like back in 98 or something. So, But in those 30s when they've struggled... Is, it, is that it? Is it spacing, do you think? Is there, is there a, a type of defense? I mean, it's got to yeah. be more nuanced than they just left it in the locker room. That's I'm my not, point.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I would agree with that. I, I, I do think there's more to it than that. It's not just, oh, wow, we were cold tonight. Oh, wow, we were really hot tonight. There There are things involved in it. And I just took note of what Quinn said last night that the spacing was proper the only way for us to really know that would be to go back and re-watch each of those losses and see what was going on but i have a suspicion that it's not just whether you're hot or not Uh, there's there's a whole process that leads up to it and you know the other guys have something to do with it too some teams are a little better at defending the three than others
1: which phoenix is very good and, and on defense, Phoenix is very good, and they deserve credit there, where credit's due. They've got but a bunch said. of long, rangy players that, that close out like crazy. I mean, that's got to be, if not the best closeout team in the league, it's got to be pretty close. I mean, there were times last night when the Jazz offense really worked, and, and the ball popped around, and the dude was just covered because Phoenix really played it well, and they played that pressure-style defense, which helped the Jazz get off to such a slow start, because the referees just decided, speaking of leaving it in the locker room, the referees were going to let them play. They were going to leave that whistle on the sideline, and I think it took the Jazz a minute to get adjusted to that. But when they did, and the bench unit came on, they led after the first quarter. So, I mean.
3: You said something earlier, Jake, that I think is really important and, and impressive. If we're going to look at a positive from this game, Donovan Mitchell's one tough mother now. You know? I mean, his plus minus was a minus 11. But the 41 points on 16 to 35 shooting, he was not hitting his outside shot. He found other ways to contribute. And he he missed that big shot. He missed a couple of really big shots. And, you know, I mean, but, I mean, he was doing everything he could to lift his team up when it needed him. And he just did not get enough help.
1: All right. We'll have much more jazz conversation as the show goes along. So stay tuned. We'll also talk about the Masters. I believe who's on with us today? BT? Bob's on with us today. Uh, right now, let's see, three-way tie for the lead with uh, Justin Rose, Matsumura, and Harmon. What's Harmon's first name? I don't know. It's Matsuyama, though. Is it, What did I say?
0: Matsumura. <laughs> Matayama, excuse me, thank you, Austin. But I don't know who Harin
1: is. So, all right. So
0: earlier,
3: earlier in the day, when I checked the leaderboard, man, there were a whole lot of players who were not from the U.S. of A. uh, Doing pretty well. I don't know whether that's flipped. I got to check it. But uh, I don't know. For all the U.S.A. fans out there, you know, it was it was looking rather bleak early on.
1: Well, Damian is in town. uh, Damian Lillard. And uh, the Trailblazers practiced yesterday, <laughs> Gordon, uh, and I know this because as I would try to get into the building, uh, I was about, you know, tackled and tased and all that and then told that that was not my entrance for the day, which was pleasant.
3: Wait, you had to reroute through a different way?
1: Oh, man, Gordon, you haven't been in the building for a while, have you? No. Uh-uh. Uh, we have three different entrances that we're allowed to take at different times, depending on what time it is and what is going on.
3: Ah. I see.
1: Wait till you get your tattooed barcode. But but here's the thing. They are very serious about, well, I'll put it this way. They are more serious about what entrance you take, at, depending on what's going on in the building. And if an MVA team is even within the same county as the premises, then they're very serious about security. Which, rightfully so. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, complaining a little bit. That's okay. I had to walk around the building. It's fine. I was holding, like, 30 pounds of food. <laughs> okay. anyway point right. being i'm very well aware that the trailblazers practiced yesterday and we're able to be in town uh i kind of wonder if damian lillard went up to ogden he usually does when he has an extra day but you never well he probably couldn't right because of protocols and all yeah, the lucky. restrictions that they're currently currently under so uh maybe uh, he usually finds a way to contribute i'm sure he did he did it's one of uh it's pretty cool that our community's tied to Damian Lillard. And he seems to appreciate that as well, which is awesome. But he and his team are coming in. uh, Gordon and, and Portland made a big trade at the deadline, acquiring Norman Powell, who I thought was really the perfect acquisition for them and uh, was going to make their team a lot better, and uh, I think it did. And Damon Lillard now has C.J. McCollum back, of course, who uh, had some injury issues earlier in the year. They trade for Powell. Nurkic, I know, is questionable for tonight's game, but he's uh, back and healthy or healthy-ish. And I'll tell you what, when they have their pieces, Portland is really good. And Lillard, to his credit, kept, uh, kept the ship afloat until they could really figure out how to put together a complete roster, and I think they have. This is going to be a, a brutal game for the Jazz tonight. It's going to be tough.
3: Yeah, coming back off the off the road, lost last night. Uh, but uh, but this team, your uh, emphasis on defense, Jake, is really applicable for this game tonight.
1: Well, yeah. and for all that, the reasons
3: you just said. And that I mean, Portland
1: the, doesn't play any of it, so that's nice.
3: <laughs> but those Jazz perimeter defenders are going to really have to do their jobs. And uh, we'll, we'll see how... How much energy they have in, in that respect. Because this is a team that can absolutely light you up. And now with the addition of Powell, I mean, he's another very good... What's he averaging? 20 points a game? Something like that? Yeah. So, yeah, they're surrounded by good scores.
1: Alright, just some updates on the roster front. Mike Conley is not listed on the injury report, so he might play tonight. Uh, usually he's been sitting out uh, either the front or back end of back to backs, but Jordan Clarkson, due to a right ankle sprain, is doubtful tonight against the Blazers. Blazers. So maybe Conley uh, decides to forego a night of rest if Clarkson Clarkson's unable to go.
3: Yeah, that Western Conference uh, race is tightening up. So Jazz needs every victory they can get.
1: All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Remember, uh, coming up at the, oh, geez, just after 8 o'clock, Jazz will tip things off against the Portland Trailblazers. 8 o'clock back-to-backs. The best. Uh, pre-game coverage <laughs> will begin at 7. Uh, Hans is going to be jumping in uh, with me on Jazz pre-game coming up uh, about an hour from right now. And uh, he'll be filling in for Tim Lacombe on pre-half and post tonight. And, Gordon, you, sir, have been nice enough to uh, accept my invitation to join me on Saturday for pre-half and post.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, it's fun. It's fun working with you. And it's fun uh, considering these things, all these different aspects to what the Jazz are doing right now. And, uh, yeah, happy to do so. Thanks for the invite.
1: In Austin, it only cost me a couple of pounds of cheese as a bribe. I was going to say, yeah, was, is there
3: uh, enough fromage in the county? Well, it was, it well, was, it was just... a whole wheel,
0: Jake. Don't <laughs> be...
1: Uh... I won't shortchange you. I'm sorry. Yeah, make sure. The whole wheel of cheese. <laughs> and
0: none of the, that nacho cheese uh, goo Not stuff. sauce. Yeah. No,
1: no, no, no. This is the, the real deal. The the yeah. genuine article. I wouldn't... Hey. I wouldn't uh, no. Gordon wouldn't uh, accept anything less.
3: Oh. Have, have you guys ever, like, nibbled on a wheel? No, I don't even it. know yeah, that just, I've ever seen
1: like, a wheel of cheese. Oh like yeah, sin- you've gone to Harmons; they've got them out there. <laughs> yeah. it's I like, always see the slivers, like, though. Never like the. Hmm. Anyway, sorry, Gordon, What
3: makes you feel like a rat? You just sit there and gnaw on it, you know, during a game or something. Well, you I know that you picture you, there you gnaw
1: on so a wheel of cheese?
0: That's no, weird. I'm kidding. Oh, thank you, because I was going to call the police. The no, only I, serial I killers do such things.
3: I don't even gnaw on a block of cheese. I always slice it very thinly. I like the thin slices, you know, and I stack them up and put them on a plate and maybe have some, I don't know, some kind of chips or some sort of, uh, even pretzels or. or you know,
1: Where, where's something. Weber Cooks with his chili cheese dip when you need it? You open um, the can of chili.
3: I remember way back when, uh, way back, I'm talking about mid-90s, we were doing a show. And we were, ta- we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, when you watch what you're eating, you know, just to get your, I mean, it might've had something to do with what DJ and I were doing back in the day, the summer fitness craze we had. And uh, I noticed on, a, on, a, on like a chart on the bottom of a page at USA Today, it said that cheese was the number three food that ruined people's diets. Hello, Wildcats.
1: Open the can of chili, and put it in the microwave for five minutes.
2: Five minutes. Yeah. I don't
1: know what it was, sir. it's serve gonna be black.
2: Chips. It's gonna nuke it.
3: to you know, it molten.
1: That's just... <laughs> Gordon's green bean casserole. That's what it is. You open the hey, can of green beans. L- and, l- uh, let me
3: let me give, let me give a challenge to all our listeners, real quick. If you want a real treat tonight, go get yourself some delectable cheese and have yourself a few slices.
1: So glad you got that in. <laughs> All right, we'll have more big show okay, coming up Bill. next. Stay tuned 97.5 and 1280. The zone. Wrapping up a big show Gordon Monson, Jig Scott 97.5 and 1280. The zone. We've got Jazz game night pregame show coming up right around the corner. Getting you ready for the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trail Blazers, Hans Olsen going to fill in for Tim Lacome on tonight. How about that? Tim gets a back-to-back eight o'clock start and bounces on me for game number two. What a pal!
3: <laughs> well, he needed he needed some downtime.
1: Actually, he's uh, taking advantage of spring break with his family. So, of course, we wish him all the best, but not really.
3: What I a ho- jerk!
1: I hope it rains. <laughs> yes, <I hope> he, <laughs> yeah. uh, he can he have the somewhere. great he have he
0: the greatest vacation park? ever. Enjoy your time. Right. Don't think about us. Don't worry about us. Go. Check out. But I hope it monsoons the whole time you're there. You worry about the
1: weather conditions and how you're going to get to your car dry. Yep. Make the best of it. Yeah. Enjoy your time. I know where he went, but I'm not going to sell him out. He deserves a nice price. Pocatello. He's a big celebrity. (laughs) He's going, honestly, he's going to where it doesn't rain very much, but I hope it still rains. Maybe a dust storm. (laughs) A a boob, as it were. Yeah, yeah. He told, he's, he, they, they got an Airbnb with a pool, and I think Tim's goal is to spend as much time next to that pool as possible over the weekend, over the next several days. But he can't do that if it's a dust storm. But he could still well, have a nice time with his Jake, family. It'd just be quite Jake, dusty.
3: Jake, why, why do you do that to your friends? You wish them a dust storm.
1: Well, I don't. Or, I don't do or, anything. Or I can't. A con- I can't control the weather, Gordon. I'm not. Uh, yeah, but you're nor how they react vibes. to the
3: weather. That's you're up to Tim. You're vibes, man.
1: I'm not Gandalf the gray. I mean, I'm not going to be able to, to make it a dust storm wherever he is. I mean, it's just, you know, hope you have a good time and hope the wind blows real hard. That's all.
0: I mean, if you're in Fiji and it rains, you're still in Fiji. You're still well, there. you working. Right. It's but it's raining. Right, yeah. It's Jake, not quite can paradise. can speak
3: to that firsthand since he's been to Fiji.
0: Lovely, lovely group of islands, Fiji. I, I hope there's just a family of bears that have taken over that pool. <laughs> won't leave so they have a memory a story to always share
3: you, you know, know I, pictures I, I with really, bears but I really believe that Austin means it
0: I, do. I really do But this is not shtick yeah it's not a surprise I hope long he long. has a great healthy fun filled trip but I hope it rains the whole time
3: well, yeah, but then it won't be as fun for him.
0: That's
1: up to him. You know, as fun. Oh. It's still fun. It's up fun. to his attitude. Austin said that, that to me when I've gone on vacation. Wow, well, I hope you have a great time. Hope it rains. I mean it a hundred times I, out of a hundred. I don't take offense to it. I'm still oh, glad I'm going. Of, it's kind of like when my friends
0: go golfing while I'm at work. I hope they have a good time and I hope it rains.
1: Yeah, no, he's not saying I hope you get swept to sea by a riptide. <laughs> I'll never
3: see that again.
1: I mean, it's it's, a little
0: it's different, still,
3: yeah, but it's one of those tween ordeals, you know. It's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly Christian to wish. Hey, now, whoa, easy. <laughs>
0: hey, you thinking,
1: easy. you thinking that we can control the weather isn't exactly Christian either, bro. Right.
3: In fact, yeah, it's the, the opposite. Yeah, yeah, we exactly. all, no, wait, we all send out vibes. Yeah,
0: that doesn't you
1: know? really coincide with Christianity either. Just because
0: I call it rain and you call it moisture,
1: Gordon. Listen to listen to Gordon the hippie. All of a sudden, don't put out the vibes, man. The vibes in the (laughs) the universe matter, bro.
3: Your aura is polluted. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I know, yeah, but it ends up backfiring on you. The karma comes
1: back, man. It comes back on you. I've seen it a zillion times, bro.
3: Think think a little more positive. Sheesh. We are thinking
1: positive, just not for Tim entirely. (laughs)
3: Well, we hope he has a wonderful time. And, Jake, I'm looking forward to sitting in with you on Saturday for Saturday's hey, pre-after I post. do
1: appreciate that, Gordon, and I, I'm looking forward to it as well. But we'll have a show in between. I'll talk to you tomorrow, buddy.
3: All right. Sounds good to me.
1: Jazz Game Night Pre-Game Show coming up next uh, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.